Okay, with Neil Goodchild, Down with the Val, winning comedy screenplay. It's a family comedy about a person kind of realizing that family is the most important thing in the world, I guess, over over money and, and commerce and, uh, and capitalism, I guess, right? Right, of course. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's got a thematic. Basically, it's a funny movie. Yeah. It's there for laughs, but there's a dramatic kind of uh, thematic going on, and it's about it's about family. It's a film about family, but you just from a lens standpoint or writing standpoint, you're using comedy to tell that story. Oh, absolutely, yeah. That, that's sort of how I took it. So nice, nicely written script. Have you written comedies before? Is comedy uh, your jam? I definitely haven't. That's the first one. I, I'm usually uh, drama or horror, but. I infuse a little comedy here and there, but this one, it just kind of came out of me as a comedy. So, so it I came out of, but you, when you were writing it, you knew that you were making a comedy right away. It, when I first started writing it, no, but it was like, it just, it kept every scene kept, like I kept going back to it being funny. You know, <laughs> it seemed to work better every time I put a joke in and then I just kind of kept going with it, you know, like the, the old men characters and their, their odd personalities. And it was like the one guy that drives around that he doesn't actually work there. But, you know, like I just really enjoyed it. And I'm like, this is a comedy. I didn't set out to write a comedy, but that's that's where we're going, you know. And did, when you, after you wrote the first draft, did you like go back and like start punching it up? Kind of like punching up the comedy moments? I, I definitely did. But I also, um, it was, I had professional help, you know, like I, I wrote the draft and I hadn't written anything in so long that I had to I started sending it off to places like you guys, but also uh, other contests, anyone who offered feedback. So I started sending it out to see what they thought. And um, they, you know, it, it's changed quite a bit, but that spine has always been there. You know, that that returning home and finding family spine has always been there. So. So tell me about the golf course kind of uh, backdrop. Are you a golfer yourself? I am not. Yeah, I golf about once a year when I have to. <laughs> Usually for charity. You have to. Why do you have to? <laughs> for for charity events. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, but I am not a good golfer. No. But I um I did work part time at a golf course for uh, I think it was gotcha. thirteen years. So you understand how it works, how the concept work, works, right? Yeah. That you break a hundred. What's that? You break a hundred. I I mm, <laughs> not consistently, but I. You know, you don't count every shot. <laughs> <laughs> so that means you're a pretty good. You're like if you're only golfing once a year and you can kind of like get in the hundred range. You're yeah. You're, I mean, you're a golfer. Like you're not. You're not like you can you yeah. can hold your fort. Like you can hold your own in, in, a, in a foursome, I guess, right? Oh yeah, I I used to play all the time, but then okay. uh, when the place closed, I didn't really pick it up again. So. So tell me about your experiences working for a golf course. Is it? Like, I'm just curious, is it, is it, I'm sure it's not Caddyshack, but it's something in the vein or? Uh, there was, yeah, that, that it's not Caddyshack, no, but it's like, there's a lot of guys that we had our regulars, guys who would come in, you know, um, the busy night was always Tuesday, believe it or not. You know, why, we had like, why is that? Well, it was a bunch of guys that, you know, they, they work, they called it the industrial league, but it was like a bunch of guys would gather after work and they always get out of work around four and then they'd try to play nine holes and, uh. It was like highly competitive, but I mean, none of them were pros, you know. Yeah, so. that's, what I, that's what I used to do. I'm from yeah. Niagara Falls, and Niagara Falls has got tons of golf courses. And I used to work at a grocery store. I used to work seven to four at a grocery store, and we used to go golfing after work. We used to try to get nine holes in every day. Yeah, 
Well, these guys would play, uh, it was every Tuesday, and then they'd play every Saturday morning. They'd all gather together. And then they had a tradition where they, every, uh, the Friday after Thanksgiving, everybody went and played. But that was usually to close the place down, you know. Gotcha. But I, I was just a bartender. You were <laughs> so the bartender. So you were not on the greens then? Yeah. Very well, I did do some greens keeping um, in the last few years I was there. But it was like I, I was mostly a bartender. And there's different levels of obviously of sophistication or snobbery or whatever you want to call it of yeah. golf courses, right? But not at this place, no. So this what about place. in your script? What what how did, what's the backdrop to this 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 golf course? Well, what the the nature of the story is, I wanted to make like an everyman golf course, you know, like where these guys are not they're not collared shirts, you know, they're guys who um, they're blue collar workers who gather together and they, you know, everybody's kind of drinking at the bar and it's like, uh, the course is just an excuse to all get together. And, um, but I, I wanted to play it against, you know, another place that is very fancy and is more like the, you know, like the Caddyshack style where like this, there's not a blade of grass out of place. You know, I wanted to have them kind of compete with that, but also it was kind of funny to me that they're not really competing at all. The other place is so much better, but the, the guys that uh, they play in the Val, they would never go to the other place anyway, you know? Gotcha. So. Yeah, it, it seems like it's such, such an interesting thing, golf courses, because it's so much land, right? And <laughs> yes. and people are obsessed with it. Like, there's certain cultures that, that uh, like, I live in, like, suburbia in, in, in Toronto, and we have there's the people, like, golf without fail. Like, there's, like, doctors in, in the neighborhood, and, like, they, it's a cliche, but... They just can't, they, they can't get enough of golfing. They just like, they'll wake up like five in the morning and try to get 18 holes in. And like this yeah. culture we have, like next door neighbors are Korean and they like their family's obsessed with it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We yeah. had very rarely, but there were a few, um, we had kids that would play in the summer and they'd come yeah. in and they play. I mean, probably they just go it was a nine hole course they just go around and around until i mean they seem to have endless energy they come in and eat go back out and play with anyone i mean that was also the the interesting thing about working at the place i was at was that i was watching the generations come together so you'd have like a, a 17 year old kid who liked golf playing yeah. with a guy who was 75 and retired and he, they'd go out and teach each other things you know yeah, that's what sports does. That's like the the bright side of a lot of sport sport sports is that even as a as a as an audience member, <laughs> yeah, like you go to a football game. There's a you have a commonality of uh of the, the the mutual respect and the commonality of rooting for the same team. Yeah, and political, uh, political idealisms and all that stuff gets thrown out the window, right? Yeah, well, people can. Uh, it, it's something that everyone has in common, but it's one of those rare sports where you can play it forever. You know, you can start when you're a kid and you can play all the way until you're 90. Yeah. And, and you it, can never, but you can never, and you can never get hit perfection. You can, it's always like a yeah. frustration sport, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. And it's one of those sports where you can have the best game of your life on Saturday, go back on Sunday and look like you never picked up a club before in your life, you know? So. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like it's like that with a lot of things, right? Like it's like playing basketball or whatever. It's like, you don't, well, I don't know, there's an inconsistency with people. That's what makes the professionals great. There's like, they have, a, there's consistency with them, right? Yeah, yeah. That they can do it week in or day in and day out, whereas the rest of us are yeah. just trying. Even, even the professionals, like they have, every call for has less than 20% chance 
to win. Like there's no oh, like yeah. nobody's gonna be the, the the odds on favor. There's no favorites, right? Yeah, I well, <laughs> it's better odds than selling a screenplay, but <laughs> yeah. So Wait, tell me, okay, so tell me about uh, so then you kind of went back to your kind of days uh, as like working there and kind of got some stories from your past. Yeah, and it was um, you know, it was no no one in the script is a real person. They're all yeah. there's, there's nobody if people that I used to work with or something, they wouldn't recognize themselves because they're, they're more, it, it's a comedy. So I had kind of goofy, you know, yeah. goofy people and like an old man who thinks he works there, but doesn't. And another guy who you know, considers himself to be a great, uh, um, you know, mechanic, but he's not, he's not really ever working on anything, you know, no. so, but we didn't have anyone like that. And the only, character that's in the script that's actually based on a real person is not a person at all it was the cat edna i had a cat that was like that i mean she never went to the golf course but she was the kind of cat that you could flop her over your shoulder and walk around and she'd go follow you out into the woods or something she was a weird cat so gotcha and then so then in terms of the the ending i guess there's like a there's a situation where like the concept is that you got to save the the golf golf course needs to be saved, I guess, right? Yeah, that that you know, when I set out to write it, it was like I had this kind of general outline in my head, and I I was playing with all different ideas. But I thought, you know, I like the idea of the generation gap. You know, you've got the grandfather, the son passed away, and then the grandson doesn't really get along with the grandfather, so he's been gone for four years. They they haven't spoken, and then he goes back there because he has nowhere else to go. And he's even thinking it's only going to be a temporary thing. But he runs into a 16-year-old girl who's essentially taking his place. You know? And the grandfather doesn't need him. But then when he finds out that it's, it's teetering on bankruptcy, he decides to get involved. But of course, they're, they're not, he's not going to solve it the way his grandfather would solve it. So he's borrowing equipment from the other course. And you know, they, they immediately start button heads. And they don't really stop until near the end. And then... They finally find a way to get along. And that's where all along I knew that the Melvin character, I'm like, no, the grandfather's going to have to die for two reasons, because he's the mentor character and they always die anyway. But then he, you know, it also had to, I wanted anyone in the audience to be like, oh my God, you know, Nate could do whatever he wants with this course now. With, with Melvin gone, he might sell it, you know, and will he really, like he's obsessed with becoming a millionaire. Maybe, maybe he'll just give it up, you know. All right, so can I? I want to write read something from your um, blog interview because it was very it was very interesting. It was very uh, it was I appreciate you sharing it. So you basically we asked you what obstacles you had to, to write the screenplay, and you said that you hadn't written anything in almost fifteen years. You had a bad experience with Hollywood, and you walked away from it all. And then one day, your wife made you watch the bad news, the original Bad News Bears, nineteen seventy six, and she simply said to you, "Now it's time for you to go write your own Bad News Bears." So yeah. that seems like a, that seems like a pretty great, that's a story in itself right there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, I had written a book, uh, cause my sister was killed on nine 11. So in 2005, I published a book about it because people are always asking where were you, where were you? And I was like, gotcha. I'll, I'll sit down as a writer. I'm going to mm -hmm. sit down and write a book. It's a short book and it's been long out of print, but, uh, the book attracted, um, attention from gotcha. some guys in Hollywood. I, there was a producer and a director that I was kind of working with. I never signed any contracts or anything, but we talked on the phone. We emailed constantly. I think I did 
probably 13 or 14 drafts, you know, but each time I wrote it, it got further and further away. And they, you know, they knew what they were doing. I didn't. And I also know now it's like, you don't write, you can't write your own uh, movie about your life. I, you know, someone else I'd have to say, here, take this book and write whatever you want, but I'm too close to it. So things that, uh, things that, that they were concerned about is it doesn't have any conflict. It doesn't have any drama. And I was like, well, I don't know how else to write it. You know, like I, I think I was the worst guy for the job, to be honest with you. But we went back and forth with so many drafts. And finally, you know, one of them stopped calling me back. And then uh, another guy, his company, and I'm not going to name the company, but the place went out of business anyway. And he just never contacted me again. But I never reached out to him either. And I really felt like I always did it for fun. And it was not fun at all when I did that. So I just completely walked away. Like people like, are you going to write another book? Like, no, I'm not writing anything. I'm not writing screenplays, not doing anything ever again. And it was, you know, I, I went back, I did the math as, as a writer and an artist. I'm a terrible mathematician. I think it was more like 13 years. But <laughs> I, I hadn't written anything new for, certainly hadn't written anything new for 15 years. But I was working, you know, on those scripts based on my book with kind of vague descriptions of what they wanted. I mean, I really, I did not know what to do for them. And after about a year and a half, it was like, it just fizzled out. And I was so burnt out by it that I just walked away. So you didn't, you didn't have representation though. No, I didn't. I had, I had you're, no you're still, you were writing to them on spec still. You weren't getting paid to write for them. No, not at all. No. Okay. So that, that, that was the first problem right there. Right. So yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, but Back then, I didn't. I like I said, I I was doing it for fun. Yeah, and gotcha. It fun, and once it wasn't fun anymore, I realized like I don't need this. I don't need to be sitting down. Yeah. You just, you just, there needs to be someone in the middle between your conversations and in their conversations. So somebody who's, yeah. who's who's in, but also the person who's in the middle is 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 looking for your best interest at heart, right? So. It, well, you hope so. You know. <laughs> well, no, but generally they're going to get their piece of the pie. But meaning yeah. that. But that part of the getting the piece of the pie is making sure that you're well, well, like uh, your best interests are the best at heart because that makes their career better. But you know what I mean, right? There's a there's always an agenda, but basically meaning that you need to have that person, which oh, I'm sorry to hear that. So, but it was, you know, and um, actually it was a personal story with your, with your sister, right? It wasn't well, like just like a regular. Is, yeah. Yeah. At the time, you know, I, I kept hearing the words like there's no drama, there's no conflict and there's no. And I said the worst thing you can possibly say as a rookie writer is they're like, you know, what do you want this to be about? And I, I said, well, you know, it's just a story about a guy who wants to be happy. You know, it's like the old it's the worst thing you can say. And it was many years later because then my wife says, you know, remember you used to write screenplays and we, we watched the bad news. Bear. She's like, you should write a movie like this. Yeah. So I was, I'm like, all right, I'll try it. But I, I picked up. um Blake Snyder's Save the Cat. <laughs> and I'm reading through it and I'm like, oh my God, there's a part of that book where he actually says in the book, you can't say that your character wants to be happy. And I'm like, no wonder they didn't do anything, you know? And I had no conflict. I had no drama. I just had stuff that was upsetting to me and my family. <laughs> but you can't connect with an audience. It's really hard to, to do that, you know? Yeah. Uh, the, the examples I always give people is uh, like in real life, you know, on the anniversary of someone's death, you feel very sad. And, you know, that's a time when your family gets together. You might, you might cry even all these years later and everybody kind of airs it out and talks about that day again. And it's very sad. 
an audience would not feel that because they need, if they're not connected to what happened and they wouldn't be, you know, you have to find a way to connect them and they wouldn't be. So it's like, that's a, you know, it's a sad event. It's very dramatic and con full of conflict for our family, but not for our reader. So. Yeah. But yeah, I can argue with that, that point though. Yeah. It's all about how you present that. Right. So exactly. everybody can, can empathize with, with losing somebody because most people have lost, almost everybody has lost somebody. Right. So close to yeah. them. You mind asking how where your sister passed away? Where she was on um, United uh, Flight One Seven Five, so she was the second plane to hit the buildings. Oh shit! Eh. So unbelievable. So yeah, that's that's crazy. I was I was just yeah I was up I was up in those buildings like uh, I was on top of the World Trade Center like maybe like four months before that that summer. Yeah. On a date <laughs> with somebody. <laughs> crazy anyway sorry i did that i was just no. I, i'm sorry if i if i'd asked that question i was just oh, no, right all right all right so then uh the, so then your your wife seems to be you're like talk about someone who's who's got your best interest at heart is your wife your wife is basically i don't know the whole story but basically she's basically <laughs> saying like there's something missing go go write this used to love writing go try to yeah. find it again she tried for years and it was like that one day she just literally she goes okay so watch this movie from when we were kids. And I had never seen it. But You've she never had, seen Bad News Bears? Never seen the original. Oh, uh, none of the sequels movies. or anything. Yeah, it is a great one. But uh, I had never seen any of them. So she was always talking about it because she's saying like when, because she works at a bank and she's always talking about the people that she works with. She's like, well, like the Bad News Bears, we always get it done. And I never really understood the reference. Yeah. And, but the, the, we sat down, watched the movie, and then she just literally she said, now you could write a movie like that, right? And I'm like, I don't know if I could do it. And she's like, well, try it. Please try it, you know, because you still have this stuff in your head. So you yeah. might as well try. So I kind of I, I kind of did. <laughs> quick segue, like they like Bad News Bears, Rocky, they don't win, right? They don't right? They don't win. Yeah. And it's still a great movie. Hard, yeah. It's like, but they still they don't win the big game, right? The big that's, fight. That's, yeah, that's the two of the. Well, that was the same year, 1976. That's yeah, what I'm right. saying. It was a different uh, time, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it wouldn't have been the same if they did win, you know. Sorry, spoiler alert. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot to mention. <laughs> <laughs> no, my bad. So, yeah. okay. So then, so then, then you got, then of course, it's like, it's, it's hard to get back. It's like a cliche, but hard to get back on the horse, right? Meaning that once Ooh. you stop doing something for a long time it's hard to just like go right back to it right like it's a it's a struggle right oh it was i was very rusty yeah. very rusty. and i had no i had to go out and buy um some programming because like final draft in my computer was long gone it was like three computers ago so okay. I, the first thing i had to do was do get some final draft because without that i don't think i could do anything i don't know how people used to do it when they would tab over and all that yeah <laughs> that was that was impossible so but yeah, I went out, got that, got Save the Cat books, and then um, studied up and said, okay, I get it. I'll I'll try it. You know? And then the different area, you got Film Freeway now, right? Which is a lot easier than without a box, I guess, too, right? Oh, yeah. I've been, uh, well, I, I discovered Film Freeway and then uh, Coverfly. Coverfly. That's a good one, too. But um, yeah, I don't know what we used to do. Like, I used to just mail things, you know? <laughs> Now you can just send a PDF and that's like, where did I send that? It's like, it'll tell you when, it'll tell you who. It's so much easier. And then it updates you. Okay, you're in, you're out. <laughs> so 
helps you with your ranking. You can start to read about the contest before you send them, see reviews. I mean, it's 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 a great system. So then tell me about, have you written other screenplays besides this one since then, since I, your wife got you off the couch? I haven't written anything new except down at the bell, but I did dust off some old ones. There's, okay. uh, you know, there's an old, there's a drama I wrote years and years ago. And when I say years and years ago, I mean, I wrote it in 1997. Uh, so I, what is that? 20 something? Again, I'm not very good at math. 26 but. years ago. Yeah. Yeah, 26. Okay. So <laughs> 26 years ago, I wrote a story called Alive and Well. And that did okay in contests uh, years ago. I think I got an eighth place in one sometime around 2005, 2006. And, you know, when I walked away, I didn't, I put all those scripts away and I did, I didn't even have the file. So when I went to rewrite it, I had to um, find an old computer and check and see if the file was in there. It wasn't. I had to find another external. I mean, just to find the script, I did find an external hard drive that worked on a newer computer and I was able to pull out the script, but I had to reformat it, bring it into final draft. And I changed very little on the first thing, but I started sending it to contests and getting feedback. And then I ended up ultimately changing a ton of stuff. But yeah. the first thing I had to change was uh, the script from 1997 had no cell phones in it. You know, had answering machines. Oh, so you uh, modernized there, it, yeah. Yeah, there was there was a whole dramatic scene where a character gets uh, some really important news on an answering machine, and I'm like, this is this is not how we do it now. You know, well, you so, could have just said it yeah. in 1997 too, right? Yeah, I, I probably, if in hindsight, if I had just said the year was 1997 yeah. and left it, you know, <laughs> maybe make a reference to Ben Affleck and uh, Matt Damon or, or Bill Bill Clinton, yeah, like yeah. And nobody when the economy was good and the great bold politics weren't as crazy, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> when people could people could agree to disagree back then. Yeah, yeah. Before Twitter, <laughs> right? Before the social yeah, media yeah. blew the once, once Facebook took over, it really changed everything. So. Yeah. Facebook, yeah. All <laughs> right, man. Well, congratulations on the script. It's fantastic. And I wish you the best of luck with it. And hopefully we can we'll talk again. You seem very like you're you're a very interesting person. It's a great story that you have right there. And and uh, maybe go back. I don't know. You probably don't want to, but go back and look at that script of that of that of the, where the tragedy happened. I'm sure there's something golden in that script as well. I'll I'll give it a try. All right, I'll take your suggestion. <laughs> it's probably good therapy too. Who knows, right? I bet it probably is. Yeah. So, well, thank you very much, Matthew. Yeah, you're awesome. All right, have a good one. Thanks. Bye. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Shlemiel.